I want you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, and Genesis chapter 9 will be our text. I'm actually going to look at two passages this morning, Genesis 9 verses 1 through 3 and James 1 17. And, uh, but I, I want you to hear this today. The God that you and I serve is a good God. He is a good God today. And, and in the book of Genesis is the story of God working through a man by the name of Noah. Things had got messed up, and God created Adam and Eve, like Pastor Glenn said in the beginning, in the garden. It was perfect. No sin. Men chose to sin. Rebellion came. Problems came. Murder, death, violence. And by the time of Noah's generation, however many years that was from Adam to Noah, by that time, it was a wicked place. Planet Earth was a wicked place. Culture was wicked. The people were wicked. The Bible says that violence filled the earth. In other words, people were killing one another, murdering one another. Uh, it isn't much different than what it is today. I, I heard an old saying one time by Will Rogers said, people change, but not much. The fact is the nature of man has never changed. We're sinful. We, we rebel against the purposes and plan of God. God brings a man by the name of Noah on the scene. He lived a different life. He chose to cross culture. He chose to live counter to the culture of his generation. In Genesis 9, we're going to see that how this story uh, kind of concludes in his life. We're going to look at three verses and then James 1.17. Then the Bible says, then God blessed Noah. If you grew up in church, you know the story, right? Rain comes. Noah and his family are saved because he's the only one that listened to God, and he built a boat, and all the animals that he put in there, the two-by-two, they were saved, and Noah and his family were saved, and everyone else was destroyed. But God's going to use this man to do something new, do something new on the planet. And in Genesis 9, the Bible says, then God blessed. I love that word. You do like the little hashtag in your Instagram or in your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. Just do hashtag blessed. And look at all the times that people put blessed. And we have a concept of blessing, but many times it's, it's devoid of understanding the blessing of God. And the heart of God is to do good. The heart of God is to bless, which simply means to bring at peace, to make whole, to find favorableness. The heart of God is to bless his people. Jesus said it like this. It's translated in the, in the Living Bible in the New Testament in Matthew 5. Jesus said, blessed, happy are the pure in heart. Happy are those who mourn. God wants to bless today. God bless Noah. God bless them. Everything that you and I have today is a result of the blessing of God. And God blessed them and said to him, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth in the fear of dread. The dread of you will fall on the beast of the earth and all the birds in the sky on the, every creature that moves along the ground. And all the fish in the sea, they are given into your hands. And verse number three, hear me today. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. In Adam's generation and up until the flood, everybody was a vegetarian. Everybody. Vegans. Everybody. But then Noah shows up and says, God, I got an upgrade for you. God likes to give upgrades. And just as I give you green plants, I now give you meat. I give you everything. Come on, all the meat lovers said, amen. <laughs> Grateful God gave us meat. Had a wonderful steak last night at a wedding. It was marvelous. Didn't have to pay for it. It's marvelous. God gave us everything. I want you to hear that today. God gave them everything. Say everything today. God gave them everything. Now I want you to look at James chapter 1, verse number 17. And the Bible says every good gift, every good gift, every 
perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I want to talk to you on this idea today. We are most like God when we do the things that God does. We are most like God when we do the things that God does. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, thank you for grace. Thank you that you are kind, benevolent, generous, and good to Noah. But God, not just to Noah. You've blessed all of your children. You have blessed us today with the reality of who you are. You've opened our eyes. You've opened our hearts to receive and to hear and to experience your blessing. And we are thankful for that today. We need you. We, we recognize today within ourselves we can't do this, but your grace is sufficient. Your strength is here. The reality of your presence is here to work in our midst. And I just say thank you today. Thank you for every person in the room, wherever they are with you. I thank you that they are here today. They hear the message of hope in this generation. We love you, Lord. I pray, God, your grace upon me one more time this third service. I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your power to communicate this truth to your wonderful people. And all the God's people said, amen. Hey, before you're seated, tell your neighbor, you're the best person, best looking person I've seen all day. Come on. Hallelujah. Over the last 20 years of City Church, we've had a, a passion to bring God's love to our city, to demonstrate the love of God. Do you know why we do that? Because God's been loving and kind and gracious to us. And 20 years ago, we came with this mission with three families from Seattle, Washington to Central Florida to bring God's love to our city and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our very first year, small little group of people committed to sharing his love. It was around Thanksgiving time. We had an idea that we would put together food baskets and serve people who were in need in our community. And so I remember that first year, we talked about it with the, with, with the core team and then the congregation, and we were able to gather enough food and put together 33 three food bags. Still remember, 33 food bags. And we everybody had a gift card in it, and they were stacked full of stuff. And, and I remember that year, we were generous. I mean, at that place and season of our church's history, we were just, we were doing the best that we could to make a difference in our community. Uh, that people came, we gave the food bags. I remember that sense of fulfillment and, and joy that comes when we give back to other people. You know, I, I fast forward to the last 20 years, and now we've We've refined it. We've systematized it. We've become more effective at it, but we still have the same heart, and we call it Operation Blessing. And over the year after year after year, we've given away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and now it's, after 20 years, thousands of food baskets to people in our community. Last year, we gave away over 300 food baskets to people in need in the Sanford Central Florida community. Come on, amen. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, you know, I, I understand what we do. And Christians, we understand what we do. But sometimes we don't see the impact. We don't see how it touches other people. And one of the women in our church, she was on the worship team today. Her name is Denisha. She actually is a teacher over at Seminole High School. She has a story to tell about what your giving did and making a difference in someone else's life. Check this video out. My name is Danisha Rivera and I am an ESOL teacher at Seminole High School. For the past two years, I've been working in Seminole High School with ESOL students, which are students that have crossed the border or have come from Puerto Rico. A lot of them are really poor. As a teacher, it's very difficult for me to see this situation and 
not be able to feel for them. The opportunity that I had with City Church, it was the opportunity that I was waiting for to help at least two to three students. So I had a student from Guatemala that had just crossed the border with only the clothing that he had on. He was able to go and get a bag for his family. Pastor Glenn said, wait a second, how many people are in your family? And he said, actually, we have eight in our, in our apartment. And he says, no, you can't have just one bag. You need two bags. So that kid saw the overflowing of giving, not just one bag. He gave him a second one. So he was so happy and he was just carrying those two heavy bags because he's so tiny. And he was going across the field and just waving at us. And then Pastor Glenn said, is he just walking? And I'm like, yeah, he's going to walk for 20 minutes with the two bags. And he said, no, no, I'm going to take him home. And he took him home. So that was a really good experience just for him to, to just feel that, that God is just looking after him, not only for the food and the provision, but also for the simple things, just the car ride. I was also able to help a student that was living in a shelter with her mom. They were escaping domestic violence. They were having a group meal for Thanksgiving for the shelter, the women that lived there, and she had nothing to provide, and they were asking everyone to bring, so she felt happy that she had something to share with the other women in the shelter. While I was there and I was distributing the bags to the other students at Seminole High School helping City Church, God put in my heart to to go directly to the lady that cleans my room. We usually talk a lot and she had told me that she was going through some hard times, but I didn't know how hard they were. When I went to her and with a bag, I gave it to her and she looked at me and she asked me, what is this? And I said, just that we were distributing food for Thanksgiving and God put in my heart that you and your kids needed some food and she started crying. Sometimes we think we know who we're going to be blessing, but actually God puts in our hearts the right people to give it to. Giving is life. We're sometimes waiting for the right moment to give and we don't even know when. This is the right moment. This is the right time. This is the way to help that family in need that dinner that they could give to their children. The world is looking for hope, is looking for compassion, is looking for, for somebody to extend their hand and help them. $35 would give a family that feeling of hope, that feeling of somebody cares for me, that feeling of Jesus is present because Jesus is giving. So we're giving him to that family. Come on, put your hands together. Let's tell the Lord thank you. Wow, so grateful for grace today. We know what we did, but I want to ask, why did we do it? Why did we do it? That's really what I want to talk about. Why do we do good? Why do we choose to be generous people? Why do we choose to love and to serve and to bless? Why do we do it as Christians today? Why do we give? We're going to give the Operation Blessing. We're just a couple weeks after that. We're going to give away Christmas presents to, to parents to give to their single children. We, we live to give. Just a couple weeks ago, we packed up together personal care kits, thousands of them for the people in the Bahamas. So why do we, why do, we do that today? Simon Sinek, who's a very famous uh, author, wrote a book a couple of years ago that became the, a, a number one bestseller. And the title of the book was entitled Why? You can go on Google, you can, you can Google his name, and he has TED Talks, and his book has become famous in the business world because he helps corporations in business understand why you do what you do. Now, here's the deal. He, he, he's called this the golden circle. His, his concept or idea is called the golden circle, and 
I'm going to put that golden circle. There we go. Okay. And so here, we just saw a video. We know what we did. We gave food baskets away. Most of us know what we do. We go to a job. We work. We, we know what we are doing. I heard a story about a guy that was uh, walking by some construction workers, and, and they, were, they were laying block. And he asked the first guy, well, what, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm laying block. He, he asked the second guy, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm building a wall. He asked the third guy, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm building the most beautiful cathedral that's been made by my hands. You know what that man did? He, he didn't know, just know his what. Uh, he knew how to do his job. The how is your systems and your structures and your organization, how we do things here. We have the City Church way. You, you've come in here today, and Pastor Glenn mentioned the VIP room, and I'm supposed to mention the now what booths in the back, and we have ways that we do things, but, but why do we do it? Why do we do what we do? What motivates us? We, what drives us? What causes us to get up in the morning? If you go to work simply for this one fact, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, you're not going to like your job very much. If that's the only reason you go to work, so you can get a little bit of money because you got three birds chirping at home and you got to put some food in their mouth. If that's your only reason... You are not living your why. You're not living the purpose, the why you were created, why you were made. One man said it like this. If you know your why, you can live anyhow. If you know why you are doing what you are doing, you can live through any what, anyhow, anywhere. You can live through any experience. You can, you, you can overcome any challenge, any obstacle if you know why you're what, what you're doing. If you don't know your why, it gets complicated. It gets hard. It gets difficult. In the book, Why, he talks about two companies that are very famous. They're all household names to us. He talks about Apple, and he talks about Microsoft. He said he gave a speech one time at Apple, and, and, and the people at Apple, they were engaged, and they were talking about how they could make a better product. At that time, they were talking about the pod, the iPod, and how they were going to turn that iPod into a cell phone, and the design, and the sleekness, and the beauty of it. And, and that whole speech, they were talking about Apple, and its mission, and its why, why they do what they do, and their purpose. And then he said the very next week, he gave a speech at Microsoft, and he was talking to the people at Microsoft, and he said from the time the guy picked him up in the car to go to the conference center to give this speech, the guy was talking about Apple, how they were going to make a better product than Apple. And he thought to himself, he says, their whole goal is just to be better than someone else. Their whole goal was to be better than Apple. He said, when you're just trying to be better than someone else, you'll never be the best person you can be because you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. The fact is they did make a better MP3 player. They did make a better cell phone, but guess what? No one bought it because there was no passion. There was no drive. There was no motivation. When you know your why, when you know your why, when you know the why that God has been good to you, therefore you have to give. You don't just, you, uh, you, there are people that give. There are many generous people in the world, they give, but they don't love God. But I gotta tell you something today. When you love God, when you love God, you will give. It is in your nature because you are doing what God does and that's when you best reflect him in your life. In our story, there's a guy by the name of Noah, and Noah's an interesting guy. Noah, went, Noah countered his culture. 
No, it went against the grain of what other people were doing. Other people were sleeping around. Noah was faithful to his wife. Other people were getting drunk and doing all kinds of craziness. Noah stayed sober-minded. Uh, other people were living, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Noah was living out his why. He was living his purpose. Noah was doing this. Noah was walking and working in the will of God. Noah was walking out the will of God in his generation. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. The Bible says Noah did all these things that God told him. Noah did all of this precisely as God had commanded. God has a will for your life today. God has a purpose for every person here. God has designed you uniquely. God has made you. God's created you to serve. God's created you to give. God's created you to leave this world a better place. God's created you to leave this world a better place. And Noah knew that. Noah believed that. And he did precisely as God commanded. He walked in the will of God. Are you walking out God's will for your life? Or are you doing what you want to do, what you think you should do? Noah knew the heart of God, and he was willing to walk out the will of God. But not only did Noah walk in the will of God, Noah was willing to do the work of God. He was willing to do the hard work, the discipline, the things that no one else was willing to do. I was talking with someone recently about, we were talking about success and how you build an organization. I said, the problem is most people miss success because it's dressed up in overalls and looks like hard work. But Noah was a different man. Noah was willing to work the purposes that God had laid out for him. God had told him, I want you to preach to other people about my goodness. I want you to tell other people that they need to turn to me. If they keep living that kind of life, they are going to be destroyed. Mo Noah kept, he, he, he built, he was willing to build a boat when there was no such thing as a boat. It had never rained on planet earth. Not one time. The way that the earth was watered is that the mist would come up from the ground. But God told Noah it was going to rain. He didn't even know what rain looked like, but he believed. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Noah and his faith. And it says it like this in verse number 7. It was by faith. The word faith gets overused. Faith isn't some kind of mystical idea or concept out there. Faith is simply putting your trust, confidence, hope, in God alone. It was by faith Noah built a large boat to save his family. Noah understood it was his responsibility to protect and preserve his family. Dad, hear me today. It ain't the pastor's job. It ain't your wife's job or your girlfriend's job or the pastor over at the kids' ministry's job or the youth pastor's job to get the good news, to teach your kids, to raise your kids to protect your kids from the evil and the darkness. And listen, 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 we live in a day that's confused and broken and hurting, and there's a lot of pain out there. And what I've discovered about pain is that people are hurting, they hurt other people. And there's a lot of people that, not even many times of their own intention, but just because of the kind of life they're living, they hurt. And parent, your job, your job today is to raise up your kids in the ways of God, to teach them the ways of God, 
to do your best to protect them, sharing the love of God and the grace of God. Noah did, the, did this, and because of that, Noah experienced the blessing of God on his life. He walked it out. He did the work of God. He lived the purposes of God by faith. He trusted in the God that he knew. He trusted in him. He trusted in his goodness. And because Noah trusted God, you know what happened? Genesis chapter 6, verse number 8. It says, Noah found favor. Noah walked in the will of God, and he was willing to do the work of God. And because he did that, he found the favor of God. You know what favor brings in your life? Favor brings open doors that you never could open. Favor provides a job that, man, no matter how many applications you sent out, you could have never got that job. You know what favor brings in your life? Favor brings in your life when you're a single person and you're looking and you're like, is she the one and he's the one? Is she the one? Is he the one? And you're playing the yo-yo game. Every person, every new single person that walks in the room, she the one, he the one. You know what favor does? Favor brings the exact right person that God has designed for you in your life. Come on, favor. It's the favor of God. Noah found favor. He found the word, uh, uh, the NIV trans, the word, translates the word grace, goodness. Noah found the goodness of God in the sight of the Lord. He found it today. God's desire is to do good to you. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Every good gift. When Jesus lived on planet Earth, the Bible says Jesus went around and did good. Good is so overused in our culture because everything is good, but there is one who is ultimately good. The standard for God's goodness is completely pure from any kind of wrong motivation or evil. Good is the very nature and identity of God. It's who he is. He is a good God. Come on, he's a good God. God is good. Come on, God is good. All the time. God is good. Oh, we say that, but do you believe that? Do you really believe that God is good to you? God's good to you. And because God was good to Noah, this is, this is the result of God's goodness. God generously gave him increase and influence. God brought increase into his life. Verse number one, back to our story. The Bible says, then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, do good, be fruitful, and increase in number and fill the earth. You know, sometimes we get this association in the sense of abundance. The concept there is, of increase there's has to do with the idea of productivity productivity being productive in your life being fulfilled in your life because you are making a difference you're you're seeing increase come you're seeing increase come into your life and god desires to bless your life in times of trouble you know, many times people associate blessings with material possessions and good. And I got to tell you today, very few times in the Bible is blessings associated with material stuff. You know what it's almost associated with? When you're going through a difficult time or a hard time, God's presence is with you. 
When things are difficult and don't make sense and they're hard to walk out, the power of God all of a sudden becomes your strength when you feel like you can't take another step. See, the blessing of God makes your spirit, makes your soul rich. It makes it prosperous so that when others are angry and frustrated and mad and and taking out on other people, you're full of righteousness. You're full of joy. You're full of the peace of God. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. You know that your God is greater. You look up to heaven and say, God, you got this. Come on, God, you got this today. Oh, God brought God brought increase. God brought abundance into the life of Noah. He blessed them. He he multiplied them. And then he said to them, I want you to increase in the land. I want you to increase. I want you to spread this. I want your seed to spread this grace. I want your, your seed, your children, to be a blessing to future generations. We find ourselves in the New Testament. The church in the book of Acts was under great persecution. There was great persecution in the church, and much of it came by a man by the name of Saul. Saul was a man, he was was angry, he was very religious. He was a very religious man, but he was very angry. He was very mad at Christians because uh, they were taking Jewish people, and they were sharing the love of God with them, and the grace of God with them, the same grace that Noah had experienced, the same grace that David had experienced, and the same grace that Abraham had experienced, and the same grace that Solomon had experienced, and they began to share with them, and God's power began to revolutionize their life. Jewish people began to turn away from Judaism and began to follow Yeshua, the Messiah. He was angry. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee, a Pharisee. He said, my heart was full of murder and hatred. And it impacted the church. The church wasn't allowed to raise their voice. He was shutting down people that were trying to preach the gospel. Much like your generation, there's a culture that doesn't want to hear that Christ is the way. There's a culture and a generation that doesn't want to hear the message of good news. There's a culture and a generation that's opposed to God's love and grace. But this Paul, because of God's grace, because of God's goodness, has an encounter with Jesus. I want you to see this. Paul didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to Paul. A man who was full of hatred, his heart was transformed to love. All of a sudden, people, they couldn't even believe it. It was like, no way. It's kind of like this thing that happened with this guy, Kanye. You know that little, uh, the, kind of this kind of this guy, rapper? I think he's kind of a rapper or something like that, right? I mean, he's the most famous rapper in the world. He made $70 million last year. Kanye has some kind of encounter with Jesus. He's leading worship services. He's preaching the gospel. All the, and all these keyboard warriors out there, I can't, Kanye, he can't be saved because he ain't doing it our way. And rah, 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 rah. I'm like, the man said he loves Jesus. Come on, the man is playing Christian music. I, I couldn't even listen to a Kanye. I've never even listened to a Kanye song till we downloaded this one this last week, Jesus is King or whatever he's singing here. I, I can't even understand what he's saying, but I know it's good. Come on. Kanye has a conversion, and now he's impacting people around the world. His influence is going out, and that's exactly what happens to the church. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, after Paul gets saved, after he has an encounter with Jesus, they enjoy peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. 
They brought increase. God's church grew. Not because they had the right political ideology. Not because they lined up on some kind of, uh, some kind of right particular th- thought. or not, beca- not, not because they were a bunch of nice people. No, God brought increase because they began to glorify, begin to do good, begin to honor the only one who is good, the only one who can give hope, the only one who can transform lives, the only one who can change the human heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants to bring increase into our lives personally, but he also wants to bring increase when churches begin to focus on the main thing. Pastor friend of mine, many years ago, we built this church on this concept. When you find the need in your community and you begin to meet that need, guess what? Lives are changed. Our whole goal as Christians is to look for opportunities to bless and to do good and to serve. You know why? Because the God that you and I serve today is a good God and he's demonstrated his goodness to you and I. Someone give him a praise this morning. They didn't argue with their neighbors. They weren't fussing and fighting with their neighbors. Come on. They lived in the presence of God and miracles and healings. And people were transformed. Water baptismal tank was full every week. Come on. People's lives were being impacted. Marriages were being restored. I, I love it. I love to see people say yes to Jesus. It fills my heart. It thrills my soul to see a person who once was lost, now they are found. A person who was once blind, but now they see. It's the heart of God today in this city. Noah understood that in his generation, and he experienced abundance and influence. And because of God's goodness, God also gives him something else. He gives him spiritual power over his adversaries. Genesis chapter 9, verse 2, this idea or concept of dominion over the animal kingdom comes into play. Now, here's the deal. We, we, we understand this today. We understand that for the most part, even the biggest animals are, have a fear, some kind of fear of humans. It, it, it's strange. You know, you'll, you'll walk by some dogs, and they're very friendly, but other dogs, they have a sense of anger. And, and, and if you're afraid of them, they can smell the fear. And actually, they're afraid of you. I mean, great big elephants and tigers. I mean, the reason they attack humans or bears attack humans is because they're actually afraid. They're protecting themselves. They're, they're protecting their environment. But here's something I want you to hear today. This concept of this idea of dominion over animals translates into the New Testament when Jesus comes onto the scene in Luke chapter 10. Jesus takes it from the natural realm and he brings it into the spiritual realm. He says, listen, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents, 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 that's a new word, I like that word, (laughs) serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. This serpents and scorpions here, you know, they represent powers of darkness. Jesus isn't talking about snakes and scorpions. Jesus is talking about spiritual entities whose sole design and purpose is to destroy your life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, but the enemy of your soul has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. 
The enemy of our soul has come to wreak havoc in our life. He's come to break destruction in our life. He's come to tempt us and test us and draw us away from the living God and bring addictions and anger and violence and hatred towards one another. Jesus said, I've given you spiritual authority. I've given you power. I've given you power to trample over them. In other words, to live victoriously over them. The power, the presence, the reality of God is in you to enable you to live as an overcomer. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. What you got to understand today is you don't have enough willpower. Everyone in this room has some kind of issue, some kind of problem, something in your life that you haven't been able to overcome. Everybody. Everybody has something in your life that, man, in a weak moment, you're prone to give, give in to that, whether it's anger, whatever it is. Everyone in this room. And you tried to change yourself, and you found yourself powerless. Do you know why? Because you're not plugged in to the right power source. Self is still trying to be in control. But when you turn self over to the Savior, now you're connected to a divine source, God's source, a powerful source. I, I, I was thinking of taking a light bulb. I could take a light bulb and I could stick it in my mouth and I could have my wife walk over here to the switch and flip the switch and you know what would happen? What would happen? Come on, what would happen? Nothing. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the source of power. I'm not a magician, Right? There's no secret battery. This is a regular light bulb. But I take that light bulb, and I stick it right up in here in one of these canisters. And she walks over there and turns that switch on. Light lights up. You know why? Because it's connected to the source. It's connected to the power. And when you're connected to Christ, God enables you by his power and by his strength, what you can never do on your own, what you never had the ability to do on your own strength, God now enables you to live victoriously. He's given us spiritual power. The last thing that I want you to see about Noah's life is that God generously gives us everything we have need of. He said, I give you everything. Every, everything that moves, all that lives will be food for you. Just as I give you the green plants, I now give you everything. God gives you the ability to sustain. He's your source today. He's your provider today. He desires to meet all of your needs. Not your greeds, not all your wants, but he meets all of your needs. It's his promise. It's his promise to every person here because he's good. And he does, he does good to his kids. And you can put your confidence and your hope and your trust in that today. Jesus talking to his disciples. They were worried about where they're going to get the food and how are they going to clothe themselves and the roof. And they're worried about all the things, running, all the things that we worry about. How are we going to pay this bill? And how are we going to do that? And, and Jesus says to them in Luke's gospel, chapter 12, look what he says here. Luke chapter 12, put that up for me. And Jesus says, life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Consider the crows, they don't plant and harvest. They don't even have a store in a barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you? You're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. He loves you today. He's a good father, and he gives good gifts. Oh, he gives good gifts. He's your source. He even gives you meat. 1987, Miss Laura and I had been married just a couple of months. 
We had nothing. We were sleeping on a sleeping bag. That was our first bed. We had no lamps. We had no couches. We had no chairs. We had absolutely nothing. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We were taking back wedding presents so we could put food on the table. Come on. We needed a job. And there was a little steakhouse across the street. And and, and my wife went over there. And she'd been a waitress for about several years and 10 years, whatever it is. And she went over. And they hired her. And, and I got a job across town. We had one car. So I had to drive all the way across town to my job. And... I was in Bible college. I, I, I know what it is to be broke, busted, and disgusted. I know what it is. I was in Bible college, and I just knew I was a king's kid. I love to eat well. People say, why do you run, Pastor Eugene? You know why I run? Because I love to eat. And when you like to eat, you better do something. So I'm choosing to run to try to keep the weight off of my life. But we... we I was supposed to be done right now, so that's my little alarm there. I, I remember we were, I was in Bible college, and, and other kids were making baked potatoes. You know, we were like, have these little toaster ovens in the room, and I said, I ain't going to eat a baked potato for dinner. I'm better than that. I scraped up a few nickels, and I went down to the local Safeway, and I bought me a piece of steak. And I put that steak in my toaster, man, I had the whole dorm room knocking on my door wanting a piece of meat. My wife went to that little steakhouse, and she's working across the street. Man, we were, we were just two young, young people loving God, serving his purposes, trying to follow the will of God, do the work of God, serving in a local church, doing whatever they asked us to do. I remember she said, you know what? She brought home one of those little styrofoam boxes, and it was full. And you know what it's full of? Meat. This steakhouse, they serve prime rib, best prime rib in town. They serve ribeyes, New York steaks, fillets. My wife has a way, she's a friendly person. She made herself friendly with the chef, and they had a special for the employees. It was 50% of, the cost was 50% of what you ordered. Well, they had a, a kid's meal on there. I still remember it was $2.75 for a kid's meal. You could get a little piece of meat and a potato and all the beans the kids could eat, and guess what we ate every night? We ate steak. We ate ribeye. Come on, we ate, you know what? We have a good God. He gives us everything we have need of. Everything. Come on, because that's the favor of God. We couldn't pay for that. We could have never afforded that. We could have never made that happen. City Church, we didn't have the money to buy this building, but we had the favor of God. We were willing to do the work. We were doing, willing to walk in the will of God. And guess what? God opened up the resources and monies came in. And I was astounded. My wife and I were still just flabbergasted at what God has done. We stood before you. We needed to build a building for the kids to bring our school over here. Didn't have any money to do it. You started to give. And to date, you've given over $1 million. $1 million. God's been so good so good to us. We didn't have that. The favor of God. God sustains you. You might not have nothing right now, but God wants you to look to him to be your source. The greatest gift that God gives to you and I, beside all, you know, stuff, it's important. We got to have food. We got to eat, right? He's going to take care of us. But the greatest gift that God has given to you and I is the gift of salvation. The gift of his grace, the gift of his forgiveness, the gift, oh, 
come on. <laughs> the gift of his love, the gift of his forgiveness. Come on, that day I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I walked, once walked in addictions and brokenness. I once was a slave to sin, but now I am a servant of God. I am a child of the Most High King. Thank God I am free. He set me free, and God has set you free today by his grace and by his love. And David understood it. David knew it. Listen, listen to me. David understood the grace of God even in the Old Testament when they were still offering up blood, the blood of bulls and goats, he said, that's not going to do it. There's a greater grace than that. There's a relationship with God. And David began to sing, oh, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, all my sins, and he heals all my disease, diseases. And you know what else? Not only does he do that, but he saves us from every silly, stupid, sick, dumb thing that we've ever ever done and he crowns our life with righteousness come on God's redeemed us he saved us from destruction oh he's a good God we do good because God has done good to us and just so you can those of you that are filling in the blanks I'm going to give you the last two here and then I'm going to get to this conclusion here we do good because God does good to us. And there are two people, two kinds of people that God has asked us to do good to. The first one is our enemies. God's asked us to do people that don't do good to people that don't like us. I'm just saying, that neighbor that yelled at your wife, God says do good to them. Come on, that coworker that's kind of ripped you off and taken advantage of you, you know what God says? Do good to them. That person that gives you the middle finger while you're driving down the road, God says, wave at them and do good to them. Do good. Our country's so full of hatred. There's so much hatred. There's so much political division. Everybody's got an opinion. Oh, we don't have an opinion today. We choose. We choose to do good. We choose to walk in righteousness, joy, and peace. We choose to bless those who curse us. You know, when Christians start to do that, their environment starts to change. Their world starts to change. Their job starts to change. The people that you can no longer stand, all of a sudden, you know, you kind of like them. They might hate you. They might not like you. But you know what? You can still love them. You can still bless them. This is hard. This, to me, this is probably the hardest thing, hardest teaching. A lot of things Jesus says, I, okay, I can do that. This one here, mm-mm. Man, I'm, you know, we do this little Enneagram thing, and they said I'm a number eight. You know what that means? That I have a very strong opinion about things. And if you push on me, I'm going to push you back. Unless you're really big, and then I just let you go, you know? second person that God says for us to do good to you know it is all people everyone we're called to do good specifically to the body of Christ in Acts chapter 2 they'd been so transformed by the goodness of God you know what they did they started doing good they sold houses and homes and possessions they started being a blessing and that's what we're doing here at City Church we're doing good it's our now what today now what do we do with this it's why this season, this Operation Blessing, we've chosen again to do one day 
to give. One day to give. But what I'm asking everyone here to do, to pray and to consider as an act of generosity, to give at least one day salary so that we can do good. You saw the video, the video of us giving out food bags. We need to buy about 500 food bags. Some of you already taken the bags and you're going to bring them back. And I don't know how many we need to, we'll need to still buy, but we're going to need some resources to do that. And I think if everyone just does their part, if we all just did one day salary, and for some of us, I mean, that's a lot. We can't even imagine that. I'm asking every child that gets a little bit of an offering, gets a little bit of a, uh, an allowance, every youth that works down at the local Chick-fil-A, uh, whatever, I'm asking you to give one day. That's a sacrifice for many people. Some of you, man, some of you could pay the whole thing. But I'm asking everybody just to do one day. Then on November 15th, you know what we're going to do? We're going to come here. We're going to have a great big packing party. Pastor Joe and the outreach team, the, 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 the whatever the raise team, whatever the reach team, whatever it's called, that reach out team, that good team that goes out every month. We're going to be here. We're going to be here. We're going to invite everybody to come. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a packing party. We're going to pack up food bags. And then on Saturday morning, a group of us are going to go to Lake Mary High School. A group of us are going to stay here. We're going to distribute those bags. and We're going to bring the love of God. We're going to give that goodness that God has given to us. We're going to give it back. And on the next day, we're going to come and celebrate. And we're going to give an offering to God. And we're going to thank him for his grace. We're going to thank him for his salvation in our life. We're going to thank him for being our source and our sustenance. We're going to give him praise and glory and honor. We're going to thank him for his goodness. Will you stand with me this morning? Can we do that right now? Can we just take just a moment? Can we just take just a moment right now and thank him? We've been singing this song today. Our hope has a name. But I believe today that in this room, God's spirit is here. Some of you today needed to hear that God is for you. He's a good God. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. And because he is good, we can be good today. We can answer the why of our life. We can fulfill the purpose and the mission of our life today. Father, we lift our voice and we lift up our hands to you.